Turn with me today to the book of Colossians. We are going to wrap up our study on the book of Colossians. We are in Colossians chapter 4, and we will begin in verse 7 of Colossians chapter 4, and we will read our way to the end of the book and discuss Paul's greetings. Typically, letters during this time were written, and at the end they would say, hey, all of our friends are with you, and we send you greetings. And that's what Paul is doing here as we wrap up the book of Colossians. So we will begin reading in Colossians chapter 4, verse 7. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who was one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends his greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that in you, and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, Archippus, sorry, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, as we turn towards your word, we do ask that you prepare our hearts to hear what you have to say. Prepare our hearts to accept what you have to say about us. Silence within us any voice but your own and speak to us so that we may hear you and obey You, and follow Your will. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Have you ever felt exposed and alone? Sometimes there are people whose brains just don't let them feel any way other than that the world's spotlight is upon them. And they are alone under the scrutiny of the world. Other times we do embarrassing things that cause us to feel exposed and alone. I remember one time I was in junior high, what we call middle school today, and for some reason I have no idea why, but extendable pointers became very popular. They looked like radio antennas, but they had a pocket clip on them. So that you could, a teacher could extend them and point to things on the board. Kind of like laser pointers when my kids were older, younger. But I remember I was at youth group one night and there was a 
bench set out there in front of me and there was this beautiful red and white extendable pointer on the floor below the bench, man sitting above it. And I thought, I am going to look at this. And I went over and picked up this red and white extendable pointer. And the man with his feet started fighting me, trying to hold on to it. But there was nothing going to stand in between me and this red and white extendable pointer. And sure enough, I picked it up and it was red, it was white, and it extended, but it was not a pointer. I had just stolen a blind man's cane. (laughs) Needless to say, I felt exposed and alone in my embarrassment. Sometimes we feel exposed and alone because of sins done against us. People pouring shame upon us that we do not deserve. People betraying us. And it leaves us feeling exposed and alone. And sometimes we feel exposed and alone because God, whether through the Scriptures or through a godly man or woman, has come to us and shown us our own sin in our lives. They have confronted us and convicted us in areas in which we break the law of God and we feel exposed and alone. And some of the commentators think that the Colossians may have felt this way as they got to this portion of the letter. Paul, through the inspiration of God, has been dealing with false teachings that they had allowed to enter into the church. False teachings that replaced the fullness of God that only comes through union with Christ with teachings of ritualistic rites, with teachings of secret knowledge. And many commentators feel that the Colossians might have felt exposed and alone in that moment. And yet Paul gives them these greetings. And in these greetings, we can see that we are not exposed and alone as the people of God. That we are placed in a fellowship of fellow believers who are struggling with life just as we are. And that fellowship is marked by three things. It's marked by a fellowship of love, a fellowship of prayer, and a fellowship in Christ. First, we're reminded in these greetings that we are in a fellowship of love. Three people listed in this section are called dear brothers. That word that is translated dear is a word that is used in other translations as beloved. Tychicus is a beloved brother. Onesimus is a beloved brother. And Luke is the beloved doctor. There is a sense that Paul loved these friends because they had been placed in a fellowship with believers through the work of Jesus. They had been placed in his life, not only as friends, but as brothers in Jesus. Brothers who had been united to Christ with Paul, adopted by God as sons. And we see their love for Paul in four different ways. The first is it's shown through presence. Three of Paul's Jewish friends are listed here. And they say they have proved to be a comfort to Paul because they are there with him. He talks about John Mark. He talks about Aristarchus. And he talks about Demas, or excuse me, Jesus Justice. And he said, these brothers are with me and they are a comfort to me. We forget oftentimes that Part of our fellowship is being present with one another. 
not just present in the assembly of believers, but present with one another as we walk through life. How many of us spend time together outside of these walls, outside of these two hours? I know I don't spend enough time with you as I should. But do we fellowship together just by being present? How many of you, when you are struggling with life, whether it's loss of a loved one, whether it's a betrayal at the, hand, at the hands of another person, whether it's just the difficulty of living in this sinful and broken world, have just cried out for somebody to be there. Have just wanted the presence of another individual in your life. Love is shown through presence. It's also shown through shared burdens. Tychicus is on his way to Colossae with Onesimus. They're not only carrying a letter, they're carrying news. News of what Paul is going through. He's there in prison. And so they're bringing news to the Colossians so that they might know about what's going on in Paul's life. So they might know about the struggles in Paul's life. So that they might know about the joys in Paul's life. But beyond that, they are sharing in his imprisonment. Remember, Paul is in change for proclaiming the gospel. And these men are present with him in prison. They are, it, it's a, probably his first imprisonment, which was a little bit easier than his second imprisonment. He was a house prisoner. He was chained to a guard. It was the uh, first century equivalent of an ankle bracelet. But he was chained to his guard there and they had put themselves in that house with him. They'd given up whatever it was that made their life and they had traveled with him and shared his burden of imprisonment. Some of them we know from the book of Acts had been with him through shipwreck and through the danger of the trip from Palestine to Rome. They shared each other's burdens. Love is also shown through reconciliation. It's interesting that he, he mentions John Mark here. He says, My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. And you have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. This is far different than one of the last times we heard about John Mark. John Mark accompanied Paul and Barnabas on Paul's first missionary journey. We don't know what role he played in the missionary journey, but he accompanied them along the way and part of the way into the, into the journey, things got too tough for John, for John Mark. And he said, I'm out of here. I'm going home. And as Paul was getting ready to leave for one of his next missionary journeys, Barnabas said, Hey, let's give John Mark a second chance. Paul said, absolutely not. No way. He let me down once. You fool me once, shame on you. You fool me twice, shame on me. And it split Paul and Barnabas. Paul went off with Silas. Barnabas went off with John Mark. And here, not only in this letter, but in other letters of Paul, especially 2 Timothy. In 2 Timothy, as Paul's dying, as Paul's awaiting execution, he tells Timothy, bring John Mark with you because I love him and I am comforted by his presence. We see reconciliation between Paul and John Mark in this. And poor Onesimus. Onesimus is a runaway slave. He ran away from a man named Philemon who lived in Colossae. And he was carrying his own letter of Paul's recommendation for, for reconciliation 
to the man that he ran away from and harmed in some way. Love is shown through presence. Love is shown through shared burdens. Love is shown through reconciliation. And it's also shown in accountability. To Archippus, he says, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. We, we don't, sometimes we think that holding people accountable to the calling that they have or holding people accountable to the law of God, we don't think of that as loving. But it is. And it reminds us that as we walk together through this life, as we struggle with these feelings of exposure and loneliness, that accountability is part of the love that God has given to us. And so we see a fellowship of love in these greetings of Paul. Secondly, we see a fellowship of prayer. In the last section that we looked at in Colossians chapter 4, Paul called the Colossians to be devoted to prayer. And in this section, he presents Epaphras as an example of that. Epaphras was a man who more than likely came to Christ under the ministry of Paul in Ephesus, carried the gospel message back to his hometown of Colossae and planted the church that Paul is now writing the letter to. By the the means of ministry, he has ended up as a companion of Paul. And Paul tells the people that Epaphras is one of you. He's a servant of Christ. He sends his greetings and he's always wrestling in prayer for you. He's pretty much an example of what Paul called the Colossians to be in the previous section of chapter four. We're we're told here that, that Epaphras prayed constantly we're told that Epaphras' prayer is marked by fervent action. He wrestles in prayer for the Colossians. Do you wrestle in prayer for people? I'm not just saying, you know, dear God, help Gregory find a job. Sorry, Gregory. I do pray that, by the way. But do, do I sit there and say, Dear Lord, my son's soul is on the line. Hold his soul close. Hold his life close. Draw him to you. Remember what you said that raise up a child in the way he should go. And when he is older, he will not depart from it. Do we wrestle with four people in prayer? Do we take our prayer list and do we say, Lord, so-and-so is struggling and suffering with this. Don't just bring them healing. Meet them. Grow their love for you. Grow their faith in you. And don't let this destroy them. Don't let this be the thing that breaks fellowship with you. Don't let this be the thing that finally gets them down. And they abandon the fellowship that you have placed them in. He prays personally. It says that Epaphras prays for you. He prays specifically that they may be firm in what they have believed, that they may be complete and mature and fully assured. As you wrestle with four people, as you wrestle with God for people in prayer, do you pray that they find assurance through the struggles that they are going through? And finally, he prays sacrificially. He has worked hard in prayer on behalf of the Colossians, the Laodiceans, and the people of Hierapolis. 
we are placed in a fellowship of people who not only love us, but are to wrestle with God on our behalf in prayer. And we are called to wrestle on with God on their behalf in prayer as well. We updated and handed out copies of the directory earlier this year. Did we give you a phone list or a prayer list? How do you view that document? It should be a prayer list where you go to God for these people listed in this directory and wrestle with God on their behalf. Praying that they stand firm. Praying that they become mature through the fellowship that is theirs in Christ. And that leads us to the third thing. We are placed in a fellowship of love. We are placed in a fellowship of prayer. And we are placed in a fellowship that is in Christ. I counted the names in this section. There are ten people directly addressed by Paul in this section. Three of them are Jewish. Aristarchus, John Mark, Jesus Justice. Three of them are Gentiles. Epaphras, Luke, and Demas. One is a woman, Nympha. One is an escaped slave, Onesimus. One is a physician. There are several that we really don't know a whole lot about. One has abandoned Paul in the past and been restored. One, we are told in 2 Timothy 4, will abandon Paul in the future without restoration, without reconciliation. We have every tongue. We have every tribe. We have every demographic or ethnic group represented here that Paul had access to. And what does Paul say in chapter 3, verse 11? He says this, He said, here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. When the Holy Spirit works on our heart to convict us of our sin, to conviction, to convict us of the fact that we deserve judgment before God, and to convict us of the fact that we must embrace Jesus Christ as our only hope of salvation. We are, we are made different. We are made sons of God, as Paul says in the book of Romans. We are adopted as sons, and that significantly changes who we are. We are no longer identified by how we look, how we speak, how much money we have, our status as an employee or an employer. We are no longer identified as Americans. We are identified as children of God. That means each and every one of us sets aside in this fellowship of believers, sets aside our ethnic identity, our economic identity, every identity that we carry upon ourselves, and we identify ourselves, each and every one of us, as brothers or sisters of Christ. Jesus is the only natural Son of God. But by His work on the cross, by His work on this earth, by His intercessory work in heaven today, He has made it possible for you and I to be adopted sons of God and daughters of God. And that means that we put aside our differences And we fellowship one with another. All human beings stand equal before God. 
In our natural state, we stand equal as condemned. United to Christ, we stand equal as saved. And our fellowship is made possible because we are united to Christ in all things. We are placed in a fellowship of love. We are placed in a fellowship of prayer. We are placed in a fellowship that is made possible because we are in Christ. Do you ever feel exposed and alone? If you are in Christ, you are neither. You are neither exposed because you are covered by the life, by the love, by the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you're not alone because He has placed you in a fellowship of believers. And what is true also comes with a command. In the book of Hebrews, the author is talking about the fellowship of believers. And he says, do not forsake gathering together with one another. Because it is in the gathering together that we find encouragement. And if we read that in context, it's not that I gather together here to be encouraged. I gather to encourage. As we, as we come together in this place, we are affirming that God has placed us in a fellowship. And we are affirming that I am willing as a person in this fellowship to enter into it. As I mentioned earlier, I do that imperfectly. All of us do. But we are called to be together here. And we are affirming in this place that whatever causes you in this life to feel exposed and alone, we are here in this place to tell you you're not. And that is why God has brought us here. That is why God has placed us here. We are a fellowship of believers. And we interact with one another in love, in prayer, and in Christ. Let us pray. To the God and Father above, I am humbled by the fact that You have not left me alone. You have covered me with the righteousness, with the love, with the holiness of Your Son. You have declared me to be holy, chosen, and loved. And You have placed me in this fellowship. This fellowship that is marked by love. This fellowship marked by prayer. This fellowship marked by Christ. Help me. Help each and every one of us in here to live out that fellowship in a way that honors You. Help me to love this church. Help me to pray for this church. And help me to remember that we are one in Christ. I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.